passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome, everybody, to our G1 Climax opening night post show. I'm John Pollock alongside Wei Ting, and it is a crazy night in pro wrestling and MMA. Yeah, yeah, it begins. It begins. The the summer of insanity has officially started, and we are going to be breaking it down with you oh, pretty much every day. Yeah, before we are, we're starting, you were in the middle of watching the UFC show. Yes, Luke Rockhold uh, just got knocked out. And I just turned it off uh, right before the fight finished. Oh, boy. So Luke Rockhold not making a successful move up to 205 pounds. But I have to say, after tonight, this little combo of a wrestling card starting at 6 p.m. and being over at 9.30, what a great time slot. (laughs) I really like the time. Oh, man. If all shows could take place at Dallas starting at 6 o'clock. Yes. This was a really fast-paced show. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, you and I weren't planning to start till 11 o'clock anyway, because I thought I was going to be more delayed than I was on Saturday, and I wasn't, so then I had an hour and a half to watch. I saw the Arnold Allen win over Gilbert Melendez, then I saw the Michael Chiesa fight with Diego Sanchez, and then the first round of Rockhold, Jan Blahovich, which just ended in the second round. So, four fights to go on the pay-per-view. You're welcome to stick around afterward and watch. I'll probably have to... Do some editing. That's anyway, a, so no, thank you. No, no, I'll uh, be here. I know who's I'll fighting. I'll be forced to be here, so I, I I will watch. Yes. All right. Well, how was uh how was your evening? Uh, I mean, uh, consisted mainly of watching the G one, and it was a pretty great show. So it's been pretty good. Yeah. Uh, we're we're gonna dive into that. We're gonna review the show, and we will be taking your phone calls tonight since we are live. Seven three two eight hundred four four two three is how you can call in. You can also Skype in. Uh, just search for post wrestling and we will be taking your calls looking for any feedback to the show. We have a few people that attended the show live uh, that have left feedback. So we'll be checking in with those as well. And going into this show way, I think a lot of the attention was sort of on the marketing of this show and how well it performed. And I think that whatever um, positivity you have coming out of this show, you, you can't help but look at that like this was aesthetically looked terrible oh yeah yeah i think although i mean it's interesting i would say if people were watching this show i I think you can come out of it one of two ways you could either be really down on the fact that this this thing did not draw well at least up to expectations but this was a really good show for those that were there a very hot crowd and i would say if they had booked a more reasonable sized venue I mean, four to 5,000 people is nothing to sneeze at, but for a G1 show and with Tanahashi Okada, you know, we've gone over the reasons for this. Um, it's just, it, it looked as though you were in a gigantic arena with a quarter of it full. Absolutely. I think it's almost the reverse of maybe what we saw with the MSG show and how I would say maybe a lot of the sentiment coming out of that 
MSG show, I largely felt was negative, not necessarily on New Japan's part, but because of so much of, you know, splitting the show essentially with ROH. Yet, in terms of a venue, in terms of like, you know, at, uh, just the look of, of the whole thing, I mean, that was a sold out MSG crowd. This was uh, what, what looked like... It was, it was probably about a quarter. Qu- a quarter full. Like we know wow. the, the top end was completely tarped off. Yeah. The second level there, it was tons of empties. And then on the, on the bottom you saw, I mean, there was the one shot where Tanahashi climbed up for one high fly flow. Yeah. And man, you couldn't have asked for a worse shot. Sure. And sure. We, we applauded how WWE shot stomping grounds to make a, lo- a small crowd look big. Like that is something Access did not do right. appropriately on, on this show. And and maybe you couldn't. I've been in the American Airlines Center. It's a it's an enormous arena. It can hold probably sixteen to eighteen thousand. It's mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. And if you're talking four to five thousand people, like that's that's what you're dealing with. I think there are a lot of uh questions to be asked about the promotion of the show, certainly. Um you know, um, uh, even running perhaps Dallas, maybe that 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 should be brought into the question as well. Um, but I, I will say, in terms of in ring, I don't think they could have done better with the roster. Oh, if had. you went to the show, this crowd—if it was say forty-five hundred, let's just throw out that number—there were times it sounded like ten thousand. It mm. sounded incredible at yep. different times. So I I thought that uh, visually, it it left a lot to be desired. Um, just in terms of like audibly, I thought like it, it wasn't a hang up for me. Like I, this felt like yeah. a hot show. And if I went to it, I would have had a great time. If it was a smaller arena with the same size audience, I think it would be, it would have been perfect. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. right. It's, you know, it's something like, um, yeah. And you know, we can certainly go into that, but this is one where, you know, new Japan is kind of set in their ways of how they announced their cards. I, I think certainly the, the loss of, of Omega, and and such mm-hmm. played a played a factor in all of this. There's many different factors, but I, I do believe that this Tanahashi and Okada, it should have been announced well in advance. And I think people would have made the trip to go there. And maybe Dallas wasn't the best place to go. Maybe a Chicago or a New York would have been much better uh to to attend. It now it's interesting because of course this has the Mark Cuban connection at mm-hmm. Access TV. If there was not a restriction to run this building, Man, is there an FU on AEW's part to be ambitious and run this this arena and fill yeah. it? Like that is to me a big statement you can make if you can get a date on the American Airlines Center, which uh, maybe they can, maybe they can't. Do you necessarily consider it to be so much of a statement, though? I mean, WWE just ran it. WWE just did ten thousand in this arena on mm-hmm. Monday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think that this one it's a little more like AEW and They're AEW closer. and WWE is like this yeah. this gigantic war that's going to go on right. but the real fight is New Japan and AEW sure. and I think that there there's much more bad blood between those mm-hmm. two than even WWE and AEW which it's just we are rivals because we're after the same audience but mm-hmm. with New Japan and AEW you do get a little bit of a more kind of personal jabs that they want to you know uh, and may- maybe not, but I could, I just look at it that it's something that if you had that date, I, I think that th- those are an amb- ambitious amount of guys that would love to prove, hey, we were difference makers and we could go and fill this place. No doubt. I, I, I believe they are difference makers already. You know, like I think if it was Kenny and the Bucks, uh, a part of this roster being expected to be on the show, I feel like tickets might have moved a little bit better. But, you know, if AEW did draw well, we're also kind of talking about an AEW that's still relatively fresh and un underexposed i would say whereas i think new japan at least in north america with the traveling crowd you have plenty of chances to see this roster if you wanted to throughout the course of a year yeah 
and we'll get into it. They are they have announced three follow-up dates for September, which appear to be standalone New Japan shows, which is very interesting. Very interesting in the in the New um in the East Coast area. Too. Yeah, running yeah. you know venues that you would associate as ROH buildings. Mm-hmm. So we'll get into all of that on the show. So uh, we can dive into things. But well, first before off- we start, uh, this is a show that we're putting out on the free feed for people who uh, might not uh, be watching the G1 normally and might be checking it out for the first time today. So this is just a bit of a preview of the type of show that you'll be getting uh, every after every G1 show throughout the course of the summer. All 19 shows. All 19 shows as a part of our Patreon. This is something we do uh, from now on every summer for our, our patrons. Uh, Post show after every G1. Uh, patreon.com slash postwrestling or postwrestlingcafe.com I've I've been working on this in my head way of like how I'm, I'm going to best tackle these. And, and I think for a lot of these G1 shows, I think I'm just I'm getting up at 6 a.m. Really? Yes. You're going to watch try to watch them as close to live as you can. Why I, not? I, why not do the 530? Uh, I guess they are starting at 530. I don't know how many of the, the undercard tags I, I'm right. saying getting up at six to start at 630 is kind of my my plan. Yeah. Uh, I what think else? That, yeah. I think that's going to be the easiest way for me to do some this. of these days, though. You're going to have to last all the way until the evening because we're going to have to do uh, Raw, SmackDown and everything else. I'm not so much worried about the weekdays. It's the weekends. And there's a lot of Saturday, Sunday shows. Mm. Those are the ones that are going to be uh, tough. Mm. But we'll figure it out. We're going to have a show each and every G1 show. So if you're a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, it's $6 a month, and that gets you access to every single one of those bonus shows, along with our Rewind Aways and our whole library as well. So uh, we don't try and hit you over the head every week about our Patreon, but it is what keeps the site going, and this is kind of our big season of the entire year. So sit back. We have the G1 to uh, run through. Is there anything else you want to discuss before we dive into the show? Um, That's about it. Uh, keep, e- e- even if you don't choose to be a patron, keep enjoying all the free content that's out there. And I want to be- give a big thank you to uh, Mike Murray, who is uh, mm-hmm. there in Dallas with his family, went to attend the press conference on our, on our behalf, uh, sent us a great report, uh, as well as his daughters, who did some fantastic photography. And <laughs> took some great pictures as well. Amazing. So uh, the entire Murray family. We also have an update on the uh, G1 pool for all of your entries. Yes. Um, with some very surprising results because... Uh, we, we have another ringer in the post family yeah. that is uh, in, in the lead. And it's not way, which I was shocked by. Oh my by. God, it's not me. So we will, we will update that at the end of uh, this show. But uh-huh. Access TV, uh, we were watching this on New Japan World. So yes. I kind of liked having a show uh, or match... And then a little three to four minute break, and you could like. I love it, dude. I, I liked it a lot, well, especially because we have to catch up on our notes. Like you know, you get grab a soft drink if you wanted to. You know yeah. what really bothered me though? Uh, right when Tanahashi went for the first high fly flow to the floor, you know what I thought? What's that? We need to take a break, and this match should be restarted. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. How were they? I mean, look at how. Uh, granted, Access TV. I'm sure they don't have the ad inventory of the USA Network, but it was quite something to watch all these matches uninterrupted. Mm. And this was a television, a live television. I broadcast. know what you mean. Totally unfair comparison, though, because this Mark, Cub- Mark Cuban owns his channel. He's clearly a fan and has said we don't need to interrupt any of these matches with commercials. But if I'm a fan, yeah. I don't give a shit about any of that. I am the consumer, and that's how I'm digesting my professional wrestling on a broadcast mm-hmm. and the WWE is sending me this stuff that is all cut up into two out of three falls and yeah. restarts and well the, the 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 typical access show is just basically taking the actual new japan matches and then putting commercial breaks in between anyway and i don't i don't 
I don't think anybody really ultimately compares. If, if to me, if if the if the choices between having a, a match go to break while the match is still going on in the arena or what we're getting right now, I choose what we had before. Let's get into everything here from the American Airlines Center. Kevin Kelly and Rocky Romero calling the show, and Rocky Romero calls the G1 the pinnacle of professional sports. I mean, that sounds like a pretty subjective statement, but a pretty subjective, I don't know. Um, All sports. The pinnacle. <laughs> to him? Michael sure. Jordan never won the G1. Tiger Woods, not a chance. What would you truly consider to, consider to be the pinnacle of all sports? I guess the Olympics. The Olympics might be. The 100-meter dash. Um, I think that's the most impressive sporting feat. The 100-meter dash. So if somebody, if a commentator said the 100-meter dash is the pinnacle of all sports, you wouldn't have a problem with that statement. I could buy that one. Yeah. Okay. Hey, the G one's pretty intense. I don't know if uh, I don't. I don't know if Donovan Bailey and Bruni Cern could have uh, done the G one that summer. I certainly don't think so. Just getting a plane from Atlanta and head over. Yeah. I don't. Not I don't a see chance. That happening. But ninety six. That was Ricky Choshu's uh, final. The pinnacle of all sports entertainment. How about that? Can I detour just just ever yes, so please. slightly? Yes, please. Today, a new cruel summer came out. Yeah. Featuring W H Park and this man across from me, Wei Ting, mm-hmm. and. The first 15 minutes, I learned more about Wei than in like years of us doing wow. our, our podcast. Like so much I learned about Wei and how I have a slightly, slightly more positive view on the finger poke of doom. Because had it not been for Kevin Nash's awful idea, the world may not have had waiting. The wrestling world would be deprived. I don't know what I'd be doing. Like the finger poke of doom may have greatly altered my life it, because it, it, that is what brought waiting back into wrestling i i did have my dark ages i feel like this is something you and i have definitely discussed before at one time i didn't but. know like you emphasized it like i did not know that it was something that pulled you back in yeah really in, in hindsight it really was maybe i think you know um history has kind of like made it seem exaggerated it to, to maybe a bigger deal than it was but i really wasn't watching wrestling throughout the boom of like the attitude era and it was this ridiculous, stupid thing that I, I happened to see on WCW TV one day of like Hulk Hogan versus Kevin Nash. And all of a sudden, oh, it was all a swerve, everybody. <laughs> it was like, wow. I was like, wow, that's really cool. <laughs> Brought me right back. Obviously, I had no knowledge of like what was going on financially with the company at the time, who was like, you know, all, all that other stuff. Um, ultimately, incredibly detrimental. But for me, a positive. So you can go check out Wei Ting's life story along with his thoughts on Yuji Nagata and uh, Kijimuto. Kijimuto from yeah. 2001. A great match. Yeah. I recommend it. So that is out and a new one will be out Sunday as well. All right. Now for real, we will get into uh, the G1 opening night from Dallas. Uh, and yeah, again, the crowd shots. I mean, you just saw like this was not just like scattered. It right. was like gigantic blocks. I mean, it's also something I think that highlights perhaps the production uh, standard of somebody like the WWE, and I'm sure that know how to shoot when they have less people. Yeah, and I'm to sure make it feel big. And I'm sure uh, probably rather limited access crew and a New Japan crew that was in in handling all this stuff. I'm sure they had more than enough on their plates than to try to scour and put everybody into the one camera side and to make sure you know this was pro- properly curtained off. They just kind of had to shoot what they were dealt with. 
So our opening match was the Gorillas of Destiny taking on Rapongi 3K, Gorillas of Destiny, the IWGP Tag Champions. Before we start, I, I want to do I do want to commend Access on, uh, on the video production that they do. Like all, I think all their video packages, what what we've seen on all the Access shows so far, have been tremendous, including what we saw here today. All all in English. Um, and, and it featured just like little clips of like each participant of the G1 saying a quick right. line before getting into like their little story in, in a quick, I would say, three minute video package. Yeah, I thought in terms of a production, like, you know, the the seats were the empty seats were what they were. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought it, it was a very professional broadcast. Sounded good. Sounded good. Yeah. yeah, I really didn't have too many issues with the production of it. Uh, Gorillas of Destiny, Rapongi 3K, non-title match. Uh, early on, 3K hit a pair of uh, Topicon heroes, and then the Gorillas took over. And this was when you could hear, like, this was an audience that was pretty hot just to see all of their favorite. And just up and down, they saw these people as stars. And that was consistent yeah. throughout the show. Yeah, I would say uh, this entire audience felt like they were hardcore New Japan fans, reacting to stars as if, like, a Japanese audience would, reacting to spots as if a Japanese audience would, including, like, the Zack Sabre Jr. Sonata match, which was, like, heavily uh, featured on the ground and uh, big reactions to Dallas, Dallas is a great wrestling market, and mm -hmm. it's always had heated crowds, and that goes back, you know, to the Sportatorium days. Everyone remembers that famous 10-man tag on Raw in 2000 that was one of the most heated in raw history um yeah this they sounded great for right right from the get-go um 3k comes back and they they set up for their finish the 3k uh but show got nailed with a gun stun out of nowhere by tamatonga and they delivered a super power bomb with tamatonga scoring the fall on yo six minutes 42 seconds really just a palate cleanser but the audience was hot at the beginning quick match and your tag champions win and they made note of the fact that Tamatonga not back in the G1 this year I thought it was a pretty fun opener you know I think GOD are a lot of fun when they're uh, when we're watching them bully basically two junior heavyweights um and ultimately it was just a very brief match I kind of wanted it to go a little bit longer but we weren't really here for for this no we had you know the four tag matches and they were they were quick, all of them, like mm -hmm. all sub 10 minute matches, I believe. Tomohiro Ishii and Shota Umino took on Jeff Cobb and Ren Narita. When Mike sent in his press conference report, one of the notes he had was uh, he had like each name and then what they said. He got to Tomohiro Ishii and he wrote, couldn't hear they were cheering too loud, something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And I remember thinking of that and then I heard the chance for Ishii as he came out. This guy was like Steve Austin walking out here. He was mm -hmm. the Stone Cold Pitbull. Uh, yeah. He walked out and this dude was so incredibly over. Mm -hmm. And like everyone felt over on this show to some degree, but Ishii was like top tier. Yep, absolutely. It was unbelievable. Yep. Um, and they just, they in all these tags, they were pairing off the B-Block participants that will be having their matches next Saturday when the G1 resumes. And Ishii and Jeff Cobb will be one of those. So they started with this shoving match before the bell even started. And Ishii wouldn't go down from Cobb's offense. And as he just roared into Cobb's face, the audience echoed it. And they were just going nuts here. They just loved watching this. And this is where I thought... This crowd sounds like it's three times its size. It was an audience that was obviously maybe a bit more familiar with Jeff Cobb than even a Japanese audience, uh, probably having seen them from, you know, m many other promotions. And so they kind of saw this as like a star match between two superstars. Yeah. Not once was Cobb mentioned as ROH. representing Ring of Honor. Right. I thought, I thought that was kind of interesting as well. 
Ren Narita got in with Ishii and was able to get a moral victory here by stunning him with a forearm and vertical suplex. And then Cobb came in with his suplexes. Umino came in and uh, we had Umino just kind of stepping up to Jeff Cobb and showcasing his intensity. And then Narita hit Umino with his big belly-to-belly overhead suplex. Cobb followed with a standing shooting star. Umino kicked out, but then got hit with Tour of the Islands, and Jeff Cobb pinned him. Seven minutes, 18 seconds. I thought this match was great. It was a really excellent undercard tag team match. Um, Very successful, much like the other tag team matches here, in previewing and building up Cobb versus Ishii. Like, by the end of this night, I was very much looking forward to the next, uh, the B-Block intro matches, because they gave you samples of everyone. I'm also looking forward to some of these undercard tags. And do you think that this would have been Jon Moxley's match? Maybe a little Mm -hmm. higher up, but probably teaming with Umino. Yeah, possible. But I don't... Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yes. If it, yeah. yeah, but um, uh, Moxley faces Tai Chi, and Tai Chi was not featured on the Southern card either. That's right. Yeah, um, maybe it would have. It could have been a six man, maybe, and you maybe. insert those two. But you know, the intensity between Cobb and Ishii right off the bat, especially in front of a crowd that recognized both men as you know, like a great Haas battle. I think really made that match feel very special and very important coming up next week. Um, I I even thought the young lions got really great reactions in front of this audience. As I'm, as I'm thinking about it with like Suzuki Gun, that could have been your chance to get Minoru, Minoru Suzuki and John Moxley in a ring together. Would have been on this Dallas card. I mean, don't. Yeah, I, it's still with possible. We'll, it's possible we'll still get that yeah. at some point. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought this tag match was just awesome. For seven minutes, uh, Umino and Narita got a ton of shine. I'm looking forward to Ishii and Cobb. I think Cobb's going to have a great tournament. Ishii is going to be phenomenal. Uh, I just I really enjoyed this tag match. It was it was my favorite on the undercard. Yeah. Then uh, we go to Jay White and Chase Owens against the returning Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi. Goto came out wearing an LA Dojo T-shirt, and I think that Jay White he really does feel like a has that top heel yeah. presence. Like yeah. just really he had in the press conference too, where he's just mm-hmm. running down the American fans, and he's he really got the Switchblade character and and what it is now. I feel like you know it's. It, it's fair to criticize maybe the 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 title run he had earlier this this year, but I I don't think you can deny perhaps what it's done for him in terms of building his confidence and maybe building his stature. Like compare his how he feels now compared to maybe last year. I I think that this guy like Naito is everyone's pick. Uh, Jay White would maybe be my second pick to win the B block. Like that's how big I think that they believe in mm-hmm. Jay White. I it's not what I'm predicting, but. Yeah. It's not going to surprise me that Jay White's going to be one of the major players. More so than any of the other names. Yeah, like he is ultimately someone that they are double downing on or doubling down on. So Uh, White... Goto's story is that he's been training in the LA Dojo in the lead up to the G. I wish that Goto had some kind of an update. Like same look he had, just everything was the same. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe he's going to introduce a new move or something that he's learned at the Dojo, but they didn't hint at that in in this. Although this was really a a showcase for Goto. White sold really well for Goto, just cowering into the corner. Uh, Chase Owens was in, did the suck it sign to Goto, hit the jewel heist. And then Goto blocked the package pile driver, nailed Owens with a discus elbow. White was sent to the floor with a clothesline, and Goto finished Owens with the Ushiguroshi, kick to the chest, and GTR to win this one in 837. 
I like this match as well. You know, um, you know, Jay White versus Goto is not necessarily a match that has me as interested as Tomohiro Ishii versus Jeff Cobb, but I wouldn't entirely dismiss it either. Uh, again, it helped because this crowd was treating everybody like stars, including Goto and Jay White. Yeah, it made these tag matches go from like good to like mm-hmm. above average, yeah. uh, maybe even excellent at some points but to me the standout was chase owens in this match i think he's just so great at being a dick certainly does not have the star power of somebody who i think people are clamoring for to be in the g1 but i think in these tag matches is either jay white's or, or Fale's partner um i think he's great and he's obviously there to take a lot of the pinfalls for these guys same with yoshihashi who seems to be relegated to that spot this year yeah he's just kind of the the clinger this year yeah Tetsuya Naito, Shingo Takagi, and Bushi versus Juice Robinson, Toru Yano, and Jushin Thunder Liger, who mm-hmm. came out, and this guy could do no wrong. Just a legend to this audience, and for many people in that building, probably the last time they were going to get to see this guy live. Yeah. So, uh, Takagi was in with Liger early on. Liger nailed him with a, a shote, and then tagged Juice in, and Juice was trying to land the left hand of God onto Takagi. He finally hit it, went for pulp friction, it was stopped, and... Takagi hit the Noshigami. Then Naito and Yano were in. They were ultra popular. Naito grabbed the loose turnbuckle padding that Yano had removed. And this led to Yano getting a near fall that the people bought into. Bushi came in and it ended with Yano behind him, shoving Bushi into the referee, low blow, and rolled him up. Toru Yano pins Bushi at 8 minutes and 19 seconds. And that will be Naito's first tournament match next week against Toru Yano. Which would be very funny if he loses his first match to Yano and then he goes on his run. You don't dismiss anything. I, I don't think one. that's... Like, Yano is the guy there to make all the math add up at the end. Like, if a guy yeah. is too far ahead and he needs to lose one with that's largely bulletproof, Yano's the guy to beat you. He's like that... Um... Like the the item that costs maybe like a dollar that you add into your Amazon basket to qualify for free shipping. That's exactly the analogy <laughs> that fits Toriano's character. Um, yeah, another really good underguard match that hi- highlighted some of the B-Block participants. I thought Shingo versus Juice had had some good build here as well. Um, Yano versus Naito was very brief, but I thought a lot of fun. Like Because you have such a weird dynamic between a comedy guy and one of the more serious uh, anti-heroes in, in, the, in the company. Uh, I really like that they gave Yano the win here. I think of everybody he maybe needs some of that uh boosts the most in order to be taken seriously and this was a reminder of that yeah it's you know I, i've said before like throughout this year like there's been times for me this year that naito feels like he's kind of just hit a hit a certain level and mm-hmm. wasn't all that hot but now that the g1 starting and it was definitely emphasized by tonight the reaction he got but also i think there was a buzz coming off that kota Bushi match yeah. positive or negative that it does feel now he is set for a really big summer and ultimately He's going to come out of this really big. I kind of felt the same way about Tanahashi last year, mm. where you know it, it really kind of took that G one in order to like escalate him all the way till till January. But yeah. So uh, then they announced for their return coming up in September. It's going to be the Fighting Spirit Unleashed tour with three shows: September twenty seventh at the Lowell Memorial Auditorium, which is famous for being the venue where Shawn Michaels lost his smile in nineteen ninety seven. September 28th, the following night, at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City, which is interesting because ROH is not running the Hammerstein for Final Battle this year. Instead, they look to be running Baltimore instead. So Mm. that's kind of interesting that they're going to somewhere that, you know, obviously the rent is cheaper 
outside of New York City. Mm-hmm. And then September 29th at the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia, which is where that Evolve card is happening next weekend as well. But to me, the big story is these are New Japan focused shows and no mention of Ring of Honor. Yeah. I think that's really something. Uh, and, and this is like this is ROH's backyard. I mean, mm-hmm. they're they're not going into Baltimore itself, but like these are all um, you know, places that ROH oh, yeah. runs. Like Absolutely. it is very I won't stunning maybe. Yeah, maybe stunning that ROH is not involved. I think it's a story to follow for sure. Um like this is not they kind of have mapped out like we're going to do our California loop mm-hmm. and kind of another part of the country that ROH really doesn't go to, but this to me is really like, what is the partnership if you guys can run these shows? And I do feel they'll, they'll fill these venues. These are all modest size arenas that are at most 2,200 people. And I think they, they should absolutely fill these three arenas. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how much of, of the decision making came after the MSG show. Um, it, it really does make you wonder uh, after all the negative press that came out of that show, in particular with the ROH editions. Um, I, I, I don't know. You have to you have to wonder. Um and what does this mean for the future of that relationship? Yeah, what New Japan talent will be going over because it was typically reserved for like the War of the Worlds tour, for mm-hmm. instance. So that was very interesting. Tickets go on sale July 26th for all three shows. Then we go into the tournament. It's also itself. the Tiger Hattori retirement That's tour. That's right. It's Tiger Hattori's retirement tour. So, man, I, I guess you will get to see, you would presume, Liger on... The Super J Cup at the mm-hmm. end of August, and then coming back, you you would assume he would be on these shows, although maybe maybe not. For, maybe they viewed Super J Cup as this kind of swan song in the. I US. think they should like if he's available and if he's up for the travel, like because again, I think Liger obviously Liger means a great deal to to uh, 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 Japan, but he means a great deal to North American audiences as well. Like realistically, he could you know do the Super J Cup and he could headline one of these shows. I believe. Maybe. Like you could do that as kind of the, the last one. Yeah, yeah, his last American match. Sure. All right, Lance Archer, Will Ospreay. This is a rematch from the New Japan Cup, which was a really strong match earlier this year back in March. Lance Hoyt came out, totally different look. Like his hair was all gro- like... Mohawk, red. Mohawk. Yeah, it was... I don't even know how to describe it. He looked like... um Leather studded vest. Yeah. How would you um, describe? Like Goro almost. A little minus I, the two added arms. Actually, I'm thinking, yeah, oh, sure, a little like Goro or, or like uh, Goro's wife. Okay, remember Goro's wife in the third Mortal Kombat? No, I never made it oh, past okay. the first one. Or the female Goro, I mean. He was knocking down people at ringside. Also, looks to be in really good shape. The guy's 42. Oh my god. Well, listen, there's no tell. Uh, there's no denying that he was probably out there trying to have the best match of his life. This is a very important tournament for him. This was. Uh, a match in his hometown in front of like with with what many people considered to be the best wrestler in the world today it starts off at a frenetic pace as archer runs at osprey into a standing spanish fly before the bell even rings goes to the floor and osprey hits what rocky romero identifies as a yang time okay giving yeah. uh, jimmy yang some some shine here in sure. 2019 uh, Osprey then sends Archer into the ring with a springboard 450 for a two count, all within the first 30 seconds of the match. Amazing start. Yeah. Yeah. Just really hot. This crowd is just, you know, what made it even more like loud was the fact that Will Osprey's music was taken away, altered on New Japan yes. World because we could, for some reason, they didn't have the rights to it. What? How does that make sense? Maybe it's because access. I don't know. But 
like they didn't have access <laughs> exactly yeah so it was like will osprey's like generic fake overdubbed theme songs where you couldn't hear the crowd and all of a sudden it cuts back and with the spanish flight and this audience is just like it's just like a wall of sound that fills the whole thing yeah they should have just dubbed in like uh burn it down Wow. The Linkin Park song. Not uh, <laughs> Archer got out of the way of a space flying tiger drop. And then as he sidestepped, grabbed Osprey by the throat and chokeslammed him through a table mm. in front of all these fans that just lost their mind as Will Osprey came crashing through this tri- table. And then Archer took control and uh, it led to Archer sending Osprey flying into the corner with a pounce, followed with a last ride. There was an apron bomb just destroying Will Osprey. And an Osprey countered a powerbomb into a code red on the floor, which allowed Rocky Romero to bring up Amazing Red, who Osprey is positioning for a potential match at the Super J Cup. And to me, like, that's a really intriguing name to put in the Super J Cup. He announced yeah. his retirement right before WrestleMania weekend this year, kind of hmm. not out of nowhere, but he had matches scheduled that week that he ended up canceling. Uh, but to do the Super J Cup and Red, it seems like they've come to an agreement because they seem to be going back and forth discussing this on on twitter so i think that's a really cool name to have in the super jacob like that's really kind of person you want to see in that and i think a great like send off on a more global scale a a guy that so deserves it like that guy is really underappreciated for like his influence on all these guys like that would be a really great showcase for him uh osprey returns to the ring with a springboard drop kick and then a shooting star press Archer caught the os cutter. Osprey escapes, hits a second one, but Archer kicks out of the os cutter. Then Osprey kicks out of a muscle buster. They're going through all these kickouts, including a blackout from Archer. Then Archer puts his hand up in the air and applies the iron claw. And yeah. I heard from people in the building that they reacted loud to this. I thought it would get a bigger reaction in Dallas than it did. I mean, he isn't a Von Eric, but also like. <laughs> does have like the look that could totally buy if if i mean uh lance von eric was considered a von eric but anyway osprey got to the rope and got out of the iron claw archer then tried for a top rope choke slam that osprey countered with a spanish fly for another two count then the Stormbreaker and Chokeslam were each countered. Osprey with a spinning hook kick. They go onto the turnbuckle. They fight, and it ends with a super blackout from Archer before he reapplies the Iron Claw and uses it to pin Osprey at 18 minutes and 17 seconds. If you said Lance Archer's objective was to go out and have the best match of his career, he did it. Yeah. This was better than the New Japan Cup match, and I'm sure this was many people's match of the night. It was mine. Yeah. And, and, and looking at totally this card. understand. Looking at this card, I mean, I, I don't know if I would have definitely uh, guessed that at all uh, heading into I, it. I wouldn't say match of the night, but I thought this, having seen the New Japan Cup match, right. I did have high expectations for this one. It started off hot and it never let up. I bit for so many of those near falls. And I found myself like in a state where I really didn't want this match to end because I was enjoying it so much. For Lance Archer, this is his hometown. Uh, his tag team is just broken up, and it's the first night in the biggest tournament of wrestling where he might have the biggest spotlight on him he's had in in a very large, very long time, if ever. So he went out there and just basically like had a, a, a type of match that I I don't know if 
I hope he continues to deliver this quality throughout, but I thought he managed to like almost like reinvent himself, obviously with the hair and everything, but managed to look a lot more meaner, a lot more aggressive than, than he than he typically does. And I'm I'm very excited to see what else he has in store. For Will Ospreay, I mean, I don't think it's a loss that really hurts him. It's at the beginning of the tournament. Um, he's an underdog anyway, going up against one of the largest men in the whole tournament. So I, I think it, it it's it's a loss he can afford, quite frankly. I like WH's story about like losing to guys like Fale and Archer mm-hmm. that give them like their big moment in the yep. G one and it explains like the size discrepancy. Like that does matter. And it's it, it really helps Lance Archer, especially to start, especially in his hometown, to get such a big win in such a great match like this. I thought it was almost more important for him to win. Yeah. I the last time Archer was in the G one, I was pleasantly surprised by him because he was a name that you just looked at as like is this guy going to be able to hang and mm-hmm. you know he wasn't the best guy but he was not the worst and he had some really good outings and granted he's that much older now he looks super motivated in this one i i definitely would not sleep on lance archer in this mm-hmm. tournament and he's going to be in that a block like i th- i think he'll he'll be able to yeah have some really good matches absolutely and granted he started off tonight with the best wrestler in the world but this was but he's gonna face kota ibushi he's gonna face kazuchika okada and he's gonna face hiroshi tanahashi like take and he might pick. have to take a gts at some point at some point but i mean it, you're you're facing four of the best wrestlers yeah. uh in the entire world it's tough to have bad matches i have to say but the big question is wait if you were to assign a coffee equivalent <laughs> to this match Hey, I'm ready, man. I'm pulling it out. I'm. Oh uh, wow. I mean, okay. Let's not get crazy here, but I XL one cream, one sugar is what I gave this one. That's the highest you can go. No, double XL is the highest. Oh, okay. I I'm going large, one milk, one sugar, because I feel we're going to by the end of this probably see minimum twenty matches better than this. Over the next six weeks. I know. That's why I, I probably didn't give it full marks, but um, I I think by the end, this one will still hold up. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think you should definitely try and keep, like, each day, like, rank the matches and do it ongoing so that at yeah. the end of it, it's not a blur for you. Yes. All the matches. Uh, so anyway, this was a great match to start off the tournament. And then we went to Bad Luck Fale versus Evil. And Romero brought up that Fale was never pinned or submitted in last year's G1, although the man only had six points. He got disqualified a lot. They started fighting on the ramp. Evil got bit back in, breaking the count. The crowd was into Evil, but it's not like they loved Evil. No. Is that fair? Holy shit, there's a giant spotter right on the table right there. Oh, my God. Everything is evil. God. Damn, look at that. God, guess you're far from home, aren't you? Oh, I just watched that last night. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. For sure. Yeah, I liked it too. Like yeah. some people were kind of down. Oh yeah, I've heard some it? people down on it. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I'd love to know what some of those criticisms are, but we'll, we'll talk about that at a later time. Yes, fair enough. So <laughs> Evil fought back with, with a chair, which was introduced. He placed it around Fale's neck. Rocky Romero explained, okay, if... You use the chair outside of the ring, it's unlikely you'll be disqualified. <laughs> These are a lot of like rules I feel like they last year kind of like um came we had we had to ask a lot of questions and then we had to come up with a lot of justifications for these referees last year and i feel like this year they're just like saying oh yeah that's the rule now. for those that look at new japan like the g1 is like the pinnacle of their rigid sports format but there's there's many like holes you can poke in and it's like stuff like this is where they're kind of exposed 
yeah for me <laughs> sorry <laughs> somebody's in adam in the chat room is saying because the spider was like right there <laughs> in front of the camera it looked huge so <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> sorry that, that spider just completely uh uh ruined this review of this match but kevin kelly adds that to get disqualified in new japan you basically have to commit felonious assault and that's saying something given how many times Fale was disqualified last year well listen which I, was i don't know if felonious assault was what he was necessarily doing i'm glad they're at least being honest about it they're and trying not, and not trying to cover up uh for some of that ridiculousness yeah Evil attacked him with lariats. Uh, he got Fale down to one knee and then ran into a shoulder tackle. Fale and Marty Asami were fighting over the chair, and Evil kicked the chair away and hit a lariat for another two count. Fale stopped everything as Evil. Then there was a grenade attempt, and Fale hit it on the second attempt, and Evil kicked out of the grenade, which is a very protected finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they continue on, and Evil avoided the bad luck fall, handed off Fale's leg to Marty Asami, and then knocked down Fale with a lariat, and it sent Asami flying to the floor. Yeah. I don't know the the, um, the mechanics of how this happened. He's holding a log, basically, and somebody shoves the other end of the log down. I guess so. But, I mean, I don't know if it would send somebody all the way to the outside of the ring. Well, that's where... In Marty wrestling Asami physics, landed. it works. Yes. Uh, Evil then attacks Fale with the chair, and... It ends with a low blow being hit, and Fale placed a chair around Evil's neck, swung for the fences, and then hit the bad luck fall and won the match in 11 minutes and 34 seconds. Uh, a small coffee with a milk. Okay, so I clearly I think you and I have kind of different scales here, because I'm judging these matches as if like they were matches I would see anywhere. Like, if this match took place on Raw, for instance, I I would be over the moon. But in the G1, it seems like maybe you have a different scale. Yes. This is your G1 scale. Absolutely. Got it. Okay. Well, I don't know if I need to alter my, my scale no, now. No, you can do whatever you want. I give this one a medium, one cream. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. This wasn't great. Um, Of the five tournament matches, I think it was the, weakest the worst one. of yeah, the five. That is true. It was a decent match, though, I thought. It was fine. But it sounds like even decent matches are, are smalls in, in, in Well, yeah, in you've, then you, you can't... Uh, to me, <laughs> this is going to be one of the lower-end G1 matches of gotcha. the whole tournament. I understand. So I understand. I think this will be in, like, the bottom uh, 20 matches. It also certainly, like, to me, didn't necessarily help that we got, like, such a great example of a David versus Goliath match just before this. And so, to me, this just kind of felt like a much more generic attempt. I think Evil is very good, but I think he's just sort of an okay underdog baby face. Fale, I actually like his character a lot, and I always like his inclusion in the G1 because he adds something different. I mean, not, not, the, not the bullshit cheating or anything like that, but just the fact that he's a, a large man, large, slower man, which I think is interesting. But I didn't think he really had great chemistry with Evil here. How strong do you think they... Like, usually Fale... Last year, he had, like, six points. They usually rack up the points with Fale, and he always has, like, a really solid standing. Mm-hmm. Like, it would not shock me if this is his last G1 this year. Really? Why is that? I can just see him somewhat being phased out of this role. Um, in, for, for who else? Um, like I, I don't know if you necessarily just have a prototype of Fale inserted. It's just, I, I think that the G1 is greatly enhanced by having 
you know, two guys per block that are new, that are fresh, mm-hmm. because you get all those fresh matches. And with that, you have to cycle some out. And Fale would be probably at the top of my list of someone you could cycle out, much like Yoshihashi last year, that it's nothing against Yoshihashi, but I want, would you rather that or some new guys that are in there to make room? And, and I think that the G1 should have that each year. It, but you know, I feel like Fale kind of plays a role the same way like maybe a Toriano does in, in that a matchup between with him and somebody else can be very interesting from the get-go. Like eh, like an Okada versus Foley match, I think, could be really interesting. A Will Ospreay versus Foley match is immediately really interesting. Zack Sabre Jr. and Sonata followed that, and uh, Sonata had beaten Zack Sabre in the G1 last year, and they started off this match with this sequence of reversals and counters that got a standing ovation from yeah. the audience. And I loved it. I love seeing the reaction to it, too, from Dallas. The audience loved this. And they just had a technically proficient match for 21 minutes. Um, It was each just trying to outsmart the other. This was like watching Spy versus Spy at different points. Um, Each had the other in a a straitjacket hold and just took turns countering the other. Sabre then goes to the floor, and the referee's counting and telling him to get back into the ring, and he yells... I've got a 20 count, dickhead. (laughs) So he just took his time. He constantly was avoiding the paradise lock. And at one point, Sonata was able to apply it around the bottom rope and then use the seated drop kick to break Zach free of it. Uh, Then Zach comes back, got the octopus applied, goes to the mat, the arms extended almost into a crucifix position. And then Sonata reaches the rope. Saber hit this tornado DDT, applied a dragon sleeper, which is the skull end and Sonata stood up, got away from it. And then Saber moved to a guillotine and Sonata had to break free of that. So it was Sonata just trying to stay out of the quicksand of Zack Saber Jr.'s submission game. And he was able to break free with a hangman's neck breaker. Sonata then applied the skull end, let go too early, went for the moonsault and got caught with the triangle. And he's locked in the triangle, gets out. Uh, he was like Diego Sanchez against Michael Chiesa. He was getting all these uh, submission attempts, but somehow he was escaping away. Uh, the finishing sequence saw Sabre go for the European clutch. Sonata countered with the skull end out of it. Sabre then countered that hold, and then Sonata bridged back and caught him. 21 minutes and 12 seconds. This was awesome. It was so good. It really was. Um, Such a different style, and two guys that were awesome at it for 21 minutes, and it was just so fun to watch this. To me, the G1 is is, kind of like the Street street Fighter in that you have different... Um, styles of wrestlers all but the best pe- practitioners of each one and when you mix each each one of them you get sort of a different result and I guess like Zack Sabre Jr. would sort of be like the dalsam of the group and <laughs> does that mean anything to you John? I thought Street Fighter was last weekend show. Oh sure yeah right uh, but I think this was a great introduction to a Zack Sabre Jr. Would Fale be Blanca? And he, he could just be, electrify he, himself? I think he'd more, be more an E-Honda type like just sort of okay. like a big, you know, slow, slow power type. Anyway, uh, I I think Zack Saber Jr. Just like he's so unique, so gangly, but completely smothering in his offense. And I don't think it's it, it's 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 a it's no easy feat for a guy who looks like he does for him to be able to play the monster in most of the matches that he has. Um, and I thought with his style, he gets away with it because he's he's a giant in terms of his technique. I also love about him now, though, it's not just the in-ring wizardry that he displays, but it's the fact that he's such a great 
cocky heel who's just uh, overconfident and does things like you know takes Dickhead. takes up the twenty count. To me, he stole the press conference. If yeah, you, if you listen to, to that on on uh, yesterday, uh, Sonata though I think as as a compliment to Zack Saber Junior. style is just perfect. The both of them are. I so- thought this was one of Sonata's like oh. best showcases he's had in a while. Like outside of some of the Okada matches, um, like this this to me was Sonata. Like again, he's kind of that frustrating performer that sometimes you, you just there's big moments and he mm-hmm. just will whiff on them or it just doesn't click at the highest level and then there's this and it's like this reminds you of like why everyone is so high on him i thought this was a tremendous performance from both but in particular with this kind of like you know counter for counter like incredibly technical deep like move for move rolling style uh I, it reminded me at times of like angle and benoit who just had that that yin and yang to each other I, when they were doing their their sequences and yeah. like this was to me even smoother it kind of reminds me of like a ricochet osprey in that like both men are incredibly great at this particular style and you got to see an like a better than average i would say almost near masterful level performance of it in terms of like how graceful the both guys were so i i thought this was amazing xl one cream for me Wow, I go, uh, I go just a hair below Osprey and Archer on on this yeah. one. So uh, whatever I gave that one, just slightly below. So, you gave it a large one milk, one sugar. So I give this one a large one milk. So yeah, <laughs> uh, dude, I'm very conservative on my 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 ranking. Hey, listen, scale. I'm not afraid to break that scale. In my mind, it's like uh, I'll give out XLs like no one's business. When, but I, I gotta be judicious. Got it. I'm a tough marker on the first night. Got it. Uh, so really fun match to go out of your way to see. Um, and then we had Kenta versus Kota Ibushi. Maybe the most interesting match yeah. going into it. The one that... I think the most anticipated. You could yeah, say. because I think every one of these matches, I think you could anticipate how it would go and have a certain level of expectation. This one, I did not have as strong a read on because I didn't know what we were getting with Kenta here. You're getting a lot of promises from Kenta, um, you know, basically saying that being in the WWE held me back and I'm here to unleash my former self, my real self, the same way we got from John Moxley. Yes. Uh, the shot of not just the fact you could have had Shibata out in his corner. Mm-hmm. The fact that he was off yeah. in God knows where. Behind the curtain. This was, yeah. yeah. The fact that it looked like this empty arena actually enhanced it. And then when they went to him during the match and it was over the shoulder. Yes. Oh, my God. Dude, that was f- brilliant. It was great. But that was a great shot. If that was yeah. access, then I, it's really hard to complain about them. Yeah. Um, I don't know whose call that was, but that was a really great shot. It was cool, and I'm really curious to know like what what role he's going to play in the rest of this story with Kenta. Yeah, yeah. How much of like he plays the mentor role mm-hmm. in this? It would be yeah interesting to see where where he's slotted in. So it starts off like a full on like kickboxing fight. Like they each have their hands off and they're delivering these leg kicks to each other. Romero's noting that Kota Bushi uh, isn't checking his kicks. Which Kotabushi would seem like that kind of fighter that wouldn't check his kicks. He'd just absorb them all. Uh, they traded these brutal slaps. And there was this fan in the front row whose jaw was just about to hit the floor after Kota went down from one of them. Abushi then kicked Kenta in his surgically repaired shoulder. And he was like aiming for the scar, it looked like. Oh, <laughs> he boy. just nailed him in the shoulder. And Kenta comes back with a flying knee to the back of the head and just started bullying Abushi with his striking. And Kenta as the bully mm-hmm. is a great role for him. Abushi then dropped Kenta off the turnbuckle with elbows, teased his power German that got stopped. Then Abushi leaped for a Pescado. And I guess Kenta was supposed to kick him 
in the ankle because that's what Ibushi grabs. And they showed this replay, and I don't know what he hit, but it wasn't the ankle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a little awkward, don't you think, if that was the intended effect? Yeah. Like, how do you aim spe- specifically for somebody's ankle off of a Pescado? Yeah, I, I, I don't know even what the thought was. Like, that's what Kenta grabbed. Uh, or, okay. sorry, what Abushi grabbed right. as he landed. But then the right. replay, it just kind of made it seem like it was a thrown kick, and you didn't know what he hit. Perhaps he actually hurt his ankle um, on landing. Maybe, maybe. Um, Kenta then hit a double foot stomp off the apron. Abushi was draped on the apron. He hit another off the top turnbuckle. Abushi kicked out of that. Bushi fights back, tries for the Kamagoye, and Kenta avoided it and teased the go to sleep. They trade kicks, forearms, Kenta lands a head kick to put Abushi down, and then a series of uh, head kicks from Kenta before hitting the go to sleep for the win at 20 minutes and 52 seconds. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a really good physical match, um, but, but I, I didn't think this hit the level people were anticipating that it would i thought kenta was he showed aggression but i don't think he's all the way there yet i don't think this was him snapping his fingers and suddenly it's uh 2010 um and i I thought this was like a scaled down abushi match which i was actually happy about i was not uh, i i'd feel like a hypocrite saying that he didn't uh do anything that nearly killed himself yeah at the same time, I wouldn't say this was necessarily a, a match where Ibushi came out unscathed either. Because to me, what this match was, was like Ibushi giving his body to Kenta. Well, to he took a him, lot of, yeah, like... To allow him to basically be a, a dummy in order for Kenta to do his, like, bullying, stiff-striking gimmick. That was pretty much it, yeah. yeah. He was like a kick, a kicking bag. He was a kick pad, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, to say this match w- w- is important to Kenta would certainly be an understatement. He is coming out here basically... Uh, whether through injury or booking has, you know, uh, had a bad run, I I think we could universally say in the WWE. Uh, But I feel like throughout his entire WWE run, he was one of the main things he seemed to be lacking was confidence. And I feel like he still has some of those same issues. Like in this match, I was looking for him to obviously come out with, um, you know, a different style. And he brought that, uh, I guess the different style would be stiff strikes. And he certainly introduced stiff strikes. But in terms of like, just like, feeling like a bully beyond the stiff strikes i still don't necessarily buy it yet i'm hoping that throughout the course of the tournament he's able to find that that self-confidence um and i guess my my other question is you know beyond the stiff strikes was i necessarily that impressed with him in this match i i think he's decent but i don't know if he can i don't know if i would consider him maybe up to the certain the standard of the rest of the block right now which is obviously a very tough standard to reach um but take away the stiff strikes. What what is he right now? I, I think he comes out of this like they they clearly like this was a big win to put him over Abushi. Mm-hmm. So that to me tells me that they are like that's the thing with New Japan is that like when they're high on somebody they're not going to dance around it. I mean they gave him as big uh, a victory as possible. He's got the go to sleep established here. Um, but I thought that it was. Like, I, I, I don't want to classify this, like, as a disappointment, because I don't think it was. I thought that it was a very good match, and I want to see where Kenta is in two weeks from now. Uh, he was someone, like, watching this. I wish he had had a few matches yes. before the G1. Yes, I, I think agree. that would have helped him greatly if he had done even the Kazuna Road Tour. Yep. That he was just working tags and just getting 
Or you know, is- yeah, you give up the, the first match back, but you gain the guy getting his reps in that yes. I think are sorely needed. Like a, something like what Moxley had with Juice Robinson, you know, or actually what Moxley is having period like throughout matches with new, uh, AEW and whatnot. Uh, by the time he gets in the G1, he feels like relatively seasoned, whereas Atami I f- or, or Kenta, I mean, I feel might still have to like, you know, again, build that confidence back up there. I feel like there were moments of this match where he was in control where I don't know how much the audience was all that into uh it felt a little bit aimless and that's when we perhaps got you know let's go red shoes chance to kind of distract yes, people yeah from, from there the was that chance in there um my other question is can his body keep up with the style that he's establishing in this match you know a very brutal like hard-hitting style granted he's the one delivering most of the damage but still it's it'll be really interesting to see what do you rate this one i give this one a medium one milk one sugar i give it a large one cream one sugar I still consider it. I guess my my scale varies widely from yours. It's but. like uh, it's like converting currency yeah. with, with you and me. I'm curious. Uh, Kenta's next match is Hiroshi Tanahashi. Okay, so, interesting. Uh, it's all, all of these matches with Kenta are interesting yeah. in how um, you, you would assume that's that's a loss. I can't see them having Tanahashi lose two in a row. So yeah, right. Um, hmm. Yeah, we'll see what they do there. Do you like? him uh reintroducing the go to sleep and did you yeah it, it seemed not? to get like a pretty good reaction too i think it's one of the few things he has right now yeah so yeah absolutely yeah bring it back it would be funny if he also took like the the running uh the Busai Busai Kuni. Kuni as yeah. well like he just takes he back all his moves here but it wasn't necessarily called then we go to the main event and it was kazuchika okada against hiroshi tanahashi and man there, there was like a big buzz when the bell rang for Kenta and Ibushi. Mm-hmm. When the bell rang for this, uh, you thought you were seeing the greatest thing on earth felt, because the felt like atmosphere bro- felt like this was the biggest match in the world. Yeah. I mean, let's, you know, it's it's a very dedicated New Japan pro wrestling crowd who are witnessing for the first time for many of them in their, in front of their eyes. The match. The signature match of this era of New yeah. Japan pro wrestling. I really liked how Kevin Kelly and Rocky Romero were trying to, you know, this is this is more than just Austin Rock or Flair Steamboat. Right. Like this is like they were making all the sports analogies, like the Lakers and Celtics, and like making it even bigger than the wrestling bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just I really liked how they put it on an even bigger platform. The only thing missing was obviously maybe a sold out crowd. You know, like pa- can you imagine if this was a full yeah. arena for this? Yeah, it would have been something else for sure. Or if this was MSG, I think it right. would have been unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like I think one of the most memorable matches of the last 30 years in the u.s uh okada teased the rainmaker very early on and tanahashi ducked it and then okada drop kicked him coming off the turnbuckle to the floor and tanahashi started favoring his right knee uh okada followed up with a ddt and then took over control until tanahashi used a dragon screw and then was injuring okada's knee so both are dealing with their knee issues okada called for the rainmaker and this place you could not have convinced a person that that's that's only four thousand people. Yeah, that was uh, among the loudest things. Like Okada was the most over person on this show. I thought. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I thought so. B- among, between this among. and the post match speech, right? Yes, uh, yes, it was deafening. Sure. Uh, so he does the big rainmaker pose, and Tanahashi rolls him up with a small package for a two count. Climbs to the top. He hits a high fly flow to the floor again, grabbing his knee after landing it. And then they go back into the ring, hits a sling blade, and then gets caught with a drop kick and a tombstone. And Okada went for the Rainmaker, and it was countered with another sling blade. So Tanahashi hits a standing high fly flow, goes back up top, and this is where we see 
uh, Tanahashi stand up on the top turnbuckle and we go to the shot and it's just <laughs> emptiness. It's it's Halloween and everyone's going as empty seats. That was the look here. And it was like, what an awful shot. Yeah. Um, lands on Okada's knees and then there's a backslide roll through and Okada hits a short rainmaker holding onto the wrist, hits a follow up one and then sets up Tanahashi for a proper rainmaker, which Tanahashi counters with an inside cradle, hits a dragon suplex and Okada held the wrist as Tanahashi had to slap, slap his way free and Tanahashi comes off the ropes, hit with a spinning tombstone rainmaker and Okada wins like out of nowhere. 22 minutes and five seconds. He finally beats uh, Tanahashi in the G1. This was, yeah, he finally beats him in the G1. It's their shortest match ever. Um, no one's going to compare this to like their big, big classics, but like this was watching two masters with seamless chemistry, mm-hmm. just everything gelled. I thought this match was awesome. I yeah. fucking loved it. Um, I can totally see it being people's, like, just because of the history. I, I lean towards this as the match of the night, but it was just like, I, I love the match. I thought it was great. But if you're, yeah. What, what were your thoughts on that? I, I thought it absolutely lived up to the reputation that I think these two have set for their matches. Um, a great story that was told throughout. And I thought a breathtaking finishing sequence that went counter for counter to me, it was not necessarily any anything that was new or different about the match, uh, about any of the, the about this match compared to the other matches yeah. you might have seen between these two. But what was new or unique about it was the was the setting that it took place in, the fact right. that this was in, in the U.S. and uh, in front of a really hot crowd who seemed really appreciative that they got this, you know, a, a, a match that for once felt like an authentic New Japan Pro Wrestling main event. Yes. Um, and, and that's maybe overall what I loved about this show was the fact that it was not a show that maybe was kind of filled with half ROH uh, undercard talent. It was not a show that was even necessarily catered specifically for the U.S. demographic with American stars. You had Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kazuchika Okada in the main event. It felt every bit, you know, like a major show you would see in Japan. I, I my only disappointment was I kind of wish they went longer and teased the time limit a bit more because right. th- you know they've always had the thirty minute time limits in mm-hmm. the in the G one and I think you could have really built up the drama for those final one to two minutes. How long did it go? Twenty two. Oh okay, yeah. So I, I thought they had a lot of time to play with and build mm-hmm. the drama even more, and I think it could have been uh, that much greater. Just once you get into that dramatic. Are they going to go the time limit again? Because totally believable that they go the time limit. So, Absolutely. Um, anyway, I went extra large on this one. I, re- I really enjoyed this one. It was, you know, a, a great main event. Um, yeah, capped off to me what was like a really great show. I went XL as well. So that was the show. Uh, afterwards, Okada got into the ring. He said that he's going to... At first, he spoke in Japanese and then remembered he was uh, not in Japan. So he yelled out, Dallas! his favorite TV show at the top of his lungs. And then he said he will return to make it rain money here in Dallas. So I guess he was looking. Uh, yeah. He was like, yeah, last time that. I was here, I didn't see so many empty seats. So we're going to have to do something. Certainly, um, I'm very curious how this one is handled internally by New Japan, that they could, how they look at this, what they perceive was the failure or success of this show. If they believe that was it, an authentic Japanese show that the audience did not want? Was it our internal uh, construction of this card and promotion that affected it, which I think most would look at? Yeah, I, I would certainly say it would be more of the latter. I mean, I, I will say maybe the the lack of uh, the elite, again, I, I do feel like, you know, uh, affected the, the show. But um, 
as far as like the quality of the show, I couldn't it was be awesome. Like I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't imagine one person leaving disappointed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly it. Um, you know, if yeah, I I I I feel like this was like one of the better New Japan shows that they put in the U.S. You know, like I'm trying to even think of all the other ones, but I thought it it had a great undercard, um, uh, and and a great set of block matches from A Block. To me, Zack Saber Jr. versus Sonata was a technical masterpiece, and I thought Will Osprey versus Lance Archer was a match that I expected to be pretty good, but not that good. Um, and then of course you had that main event, so I can't, I can't. I can't come out of this show feeling disappointed at all. No, this was a total thumbs up show. Really, really great start to the G1. And yeah, we can yeah. Uh, move on over to feedback if you'd like. Or, or shall we go to the pool? Yeah, let's quickly. update the pool. Okay, so uh, again, uh, this is our G1 contest, everybody. Um, maybe what I'm going to start doing is putting up results uh, on the actual website, which is uh, postwrestling.com slash G1. And we th- want to thank our good friend Chris Engler for... Uh, always uh, doing the work in compiling uh, the the results every after every single uh, uh, G one episode, and he's always very quick with them. Oh, this is going to be fun, John. <laughs> so, did you happen to make predictions? I didn't do it in time. No. Oh, did I'm you sorry. have in like before the show for this card? Did you have any predictions? Uh, for this one, um, okay, I'll just I tell don't you. Think so. I I I went three for five. Um, I, I, it was a really tough card. I don't think I would have done, I I probably would have picked, uh, Tanahashi to beat Okada. Yeah. Uh, so just maybe, uh, some of, some of the, uh, interesting, okay. So in terms of, uh, what listeners predicted, um, 34% of the audience predicted Zach Sonata to be Zack Sabre Jr. 34%. Yeah. So he was, uh, uh, an underdog. Um, only 28% had predicted bad luck folly to beat evil. So an even bigger underdog, but the biggest underdog I would say of the night was Lance Archer, who only 24% of people predicted would have beaten Will Ospreay. Uh, as far as point standings, everybody, we're just in day one, but I, I have to say, like, out of however many people are uh, um, um, it, entered this year, only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Okay, only eleven people managed to get every. Match right. Wow. Among them, I want to give a shout out to Abraham, Andy, Jamesy. Jamesy. Well, I'm assuming it is is Jamesy from, uh, from the British the, Wrestling Experience. The Jamesy. Um, Benno not far behind with with four himself, oh, wow. four out of ten. So, uh, very good job, Benno. Uh, but <laughs> special shout out to this person, Randobot two thousand, <laughs> who. <laughs> Who is Chris Angler's randomized uh, G1 picking <laughs> um, algorithm who managed to pick every single match right of the opening night of the G1. Can wow. you believe that? That's very suspicious. I, I believe it. Robots are going to take over, man. Yeah, clearly. They're going to they're gonna start booking the G1 and winning all of our contests. But uh, anyway, uh, do, do follow along. Uh, I'm really excited to see how I do. Uh, and... Uh, Let's go to some feedback. At the same time, everybody, if you're listening to us live on the on the uh, 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 YouTube live live stream, what's the phone number that they can call in? Call in 732-800-4423. Uh, if you're listening to this live, you can call in. We'll interrupt our feedback to go to you and look forward to hearing people. Um, before we start the feedback, I want to read one here that was posted on our Facebook. But it was someone who went there live. Uh, this is from Equane Rhodes. I attended live 
Lots of empty seats, but a pretty loud and hot crowd. Match of the night for me was Sonata and Zack Sabre Jr. They just traded holds and actually wrestled. But every match was pretty good. Osprey and Archer was really fun. Archer winning with the claw in Dallas was a nice touch. Kenta Ibushi wasn't as dangerous as I thought it would be. There was some sense of disappointment with one guy on the way to the bathroom after that match. The main event delivered, even though you could tell that Tanahashi is gutting this tournament out. Okada's post-match promo got the loudest response of the night from the crowd. Overall, great live experience and show. Let's go to our first phone call from Bruce Lord. Bruce Lord, what did you think of the show today? Evening, guys. Um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. It's good to have G1 season kind of back here uh, and officially happening. Uh, a lot of my thoughts kind of mirrored yours. Obviously, the Fale match, not exactly the highlight, but everything else kind of from the good to great. Really, really liked the uh, Archer and Osprey match. I think uh, Archer brings something a little bit different than the, you know, the njpw house style and that he could have some really interesting matches uh moving forward there um a bit of an odd question for you guys did you happen to watch the uh press conference that happened uh with okada after uh he was in the ring i haven't had a chance to see it i had it on in the background so i was catching bits and pieces of it yes it it was just kind of odd because there was a uh i'm assuming an american reporter of some star uh some sort who started asking him a question about, oh, you know, TNA is doing a show in Dallas tomorrow, and, you know, are you interested in showing them up and sort of proving that they didn't, you know, really use you to the best of your abilities or whatever? And then they very quickly cut the feet off there. And uh, (laughs) it was just kind of surprising to me. I'd always assumed that the um, post-match press conferences were kind of worked uh, in NJPW, but is that not the case? Do they have actual reporters? I mean, it's... In Japan, it's like it is like um, I think they're real reporters. Yeah, like, it's real reporters. But, but with I mean, the understanding that they know this is professional wrestling, exactly. so they're going to ask kayfabe questions. Yeah, and I think here it's like you are dealing with actual reporters, and it's not like you're screening questions and, and stuff like that. Whereas in Japan, I think they very much know kind of what uh, what is to be asked and what is not to be asked. There were a lot of questions at the beginning of the press conference that were kind of more in line with like, oh, um, what do you think? Like your chances are of winning such and such like that. The <laughs> TNA question I, I found, I'm, I mean, I, what's the guy supposed to say in response to that? Like we'd never got an answer, but it was also at the top of the hour where they, I believe, legitimately had to go off air anyway. Um, but I, I'm very curious to know what, what he actually did say about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, any, any, like perhaps, uh, disappointments or, or anything else about the show? Um, I did think that the, uh, the, the Kenta Ibushi match was kind of, it was hot and cold. It had some, uh, you know, really, really good sequences, uh, no pun intended. Uh, and then it did sort of flag at a couple of points. And I did think that the botched go to sleep at the end there in which he basically just need him in the armpit, you know, you want a moment like that to be this really momentous exclamation. Yes, he's Kenta, he's back, he's arrived boom, and, you know, Ibushi is willing to go to the mattresses for him here. And uh, it, it could have been a bit sharper. And I, I, I think your point about maybe kind of getting him warmed up uh, ahead of time might have been a good idea. Yeah, it's like, I, you know, I, I'm sure he's, like, tried Maybe he hasn't. Like, since the Brian Kendrick um, injury, I mean, I don't think he did it ever again in, in WWE. It's like, when was the last time this guy even did the go to sleep? Yeah. yeah so. than that. Thanks, Bruce. As always. Thanks, guys. Good luck uh, keeping up with all the co- all the coverage and all the shows. Oh, Thank you, you too. Take care. All right. Let's head to the forum, and we're going to get everyone else's feedback uh, on tonight's show. On a scale of 1 to 10, I imagine this one's going to be high. I think so, too. 
I think this one's going to be at least an eight. Maybe we're going to tread into a nine. What is your official? I just watched it. An 8.29. Well, there we go. Nikita writes in, found your show at the beginning of the year and finally have enough money to send your way right before the G1. I like Archer's new Mad Max look. I guess he's stealing the gimmick from Mikey Nichols. He looked a little bit sloppy, but still had a great match. Evil and Folly went exactly how I expected. It was okay. I really like Zack Sabre Jr. and Sonata. Zack is so unique, and Sonata makes a great baby face. They have really great chemistry, and I love the match. Kenta looked pretty good, but it's too bad Ibushi had to slow down so much to make Kenta look good. Main event was good, but I think their last match was better. I'm 4 out of 5 in my predictions so far. I thought Will Ospreay would win. New Japan needs to keep their regular production staff while doing shows outside of Japan. Production missed some stuff during the matches, and the over-the-shoulder shots during the Kenta match didn't really work for me. Overall, it was a good show, 7 out of 10. If he's talking about the over-the-shoulder of Shibata, that, to me, was awesome. John, I loved it. John's ready to fight you on that one. Well, wait, do you back me up? You're I do the, back you up. You are I like the judge. It. Well, I mean, clearly it's done for the purpose of story. I loved so. it. I thought that was, like, I liked it. It was, like, something very different yeah. that you don't get too often. I agree. Gerard says, home run of a show, in part because I went 5-0 and in the G1 contest. <laughs> That's his barometer of a good show. That's pretty good. Fale versus Evil was the weakest match, but not horrible. Archer versus Osprey was amazing, and Okada versus Tanahashi, while not their best match, was what I would call a collection of the greatest hits that the massive crowd heat helped. Seeing takes on social media on how Kenta looked slow. I guess he was, but I still love the match, and it was a brutal war. It was also Kenta's first match in like six months. Kenta's injuries and age are a factor but he still has the mind of an experienced wrestler and I think his matches will get better. Also, given that Mike Johnson is reporting that ROH has no role in New Japan's upcoming East Coast tour, do you think that relationship is long for this world? I mean, it's um, if they're not involved in these shows, I think that's only going to ramp up that, that speculation and that mm-hmm. discussion. New Japan has been incredibly loyal to Ring of Honor and, and mm-hmm. Ring of Honor to New Japan. Like It's been a relationship that... In professional wrestling, these kinds of working relationships don't typically last as long as they do. Uh, and ROH with both CMLL and New Japan, like those three have really been connected and they've all been able to work things out and continue for them. And, and I think it sheds a lot of light into if, if New Japan is looking like, can we do this on our own? Um, that That's certainly going to be speculated upon. I'm sure we'll know a lot more in the weeks ahead. Let's go to a phone call right now. Caller, you're on. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Lewis from Long Beach. I actually just got back from the show. Awesome. Hey, what's up? Okay. What do you think of the hey, show? Uh, the show was fantastic. Uh, it sucked because the, there was definitely a lot of empty seats. I haven't listened to – I honestly haven't had a chance to listen to you guys live. So I'm assuming you've talked about it already. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, it it was very, very noticeable, Lewis, on on TV. Um, but like okay. the silver lining was those that were there, like it sounded really heated, and I imagine in the building, oh, absolutely, like it, it sounded like a great crowd, even though visually you could see it wasn't, um, it wasn't a plentiful one. Yeah, I mean, maybe a third of the seats weren't filled. Honestly, like looking, like almost all of the corners were empty. And even like I was in the third row and like that was mostly full, but yeah, there were definitely a lot of people not there, but people that were there were super pumped to be there. I mean, it was just, it was one of those things where I didn't know if I was ever going to get a chance to see like a G a real G one match outside of Japan. So I think all of us were just like super excited to see matches of that quality and to see sort of guys really going all out. And we got to see a lot of that. What were the lineups like for, was there a lot of merchandise there that new Japan brought over? What was that situation like? 
So this is the third New Japan show that I've been to. And every single show that I've been to, they've run out of merch. So uh, there were three merch tables on the outside of the building. Or not the outside of the building, but like in the sort of outer ring of the building. And I got there maybe an hour before the show started. And stuff was already running out an hour before the show started. Wow. Man. Yeah. It's always the case. Well, of so, all the shows, maybe this was the one that they had really tempered expectations <laughs> about what this audience was going to buy yeah. from them. But, man, it's like, yeah, as you mentioned, like, you've gone to three shows. It's like, it just seems it's always the same story that, you know, the audience that's going there, they they want to spend lots of money. And New Japan, yep. it just seems it's something that they haven't really um, focused that part of their business. And it, you definitely wonder how much money is left on the table because that audience uh, just, they love, like, Look at how they treated all these these stars on the show, and I think that would definitely extend to merchandise. Lewis, were you able so to gain? Really, yes, yeah, sorry, go on, go ahead. Really brief point on merchandise. So this is the first time I've ever seen a championship belt sold by New Japan. So okay. They were selling the IWGP Heavyweight Championship belt for two thousand dollars. Wow! And Jeez. I saw four people buy them. Oh my god! At the show, but like think that about just tells that. you That's the kind of people that are there. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Uh, go ahead, where you had a question. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to know, um, did you get a gauge of maybe how many casual fans there might have been? Because watching on TV, it seemed like everybody was, was reacting as if they were just like diehard New Japan fans. So, uh, I mean, I would assume where I was sitting, uh, it's all diehards because these weren't cheap seats uh, in the front row. Mm-hmm. So everyone around me were diehards, but there were definitely some empty seats that got filled maybe halfway through the show. With okay. people who very clearly didn't know what was going on, and it was sort of confusing why I don't know, like what they got comped or what the deal was. But outside of that, everyone there was absolutely diehard fans, and like the things that were getting responses, and there was like a sequence in the Will Osprey match where like the side of the building that I was on started chanting uh, like "little guy" or something, and uh, <laughs> Will off camera had like a, a laugh <laughs> that like he, right, he like waited for the he waited for the camera just like to turn away, and he kind of laughed as it happened. That's amazing. Uh, it was definitely. What what were some of the other uh, uh, highlights in terms of reactions? Uh, the so the Osprey uh, Archer match, like the they had a really great match in New Japan Cup. Uh, this match blew me away. Yeah, in the first maybe three minutes, I just totally like uh, blew my socks off as far as like the opener and the choke slam through the table, and then just like the pace that they worked. And it's one of those things where you see this kind of match from Lance Archer. And it makes you think, man, he could be so good. And on the other hand, I think, man, Will Ospreay is just out of this world. He's just amazing. Yeah, just watching I mean, him work is just like this guy's so good. These two have like their their chemistry down. I mean, they had it in the New Japan Cup, and then they they built upon that, and then some in in this match. So yeah. it was it was it was a great night for both guys. Uh, the the Kenta Ibushi match I was really really looking forward to, and it was a good match. I think in my mind I had sort of like a blow away match expectation which may have not been totally fair i think a lot of people were sort of like let down to a certain degree even though it wasn't a bad match it just sort of wasn't to the expectations that we had Mm -hmm. and then the main event was just it was kind of everything you wanted it to be even if it wasn't as long as you would have hoped yeah what was what was the tell us just a bit about like the buzz when the when the bell rang because it sounded like everyone was on their feet and it was just like you were watching something memorable instantly oh absolutely it, it's just one of those things where i was talking to my wife at the time that we're sitting down and i was saying how i never thought i would see this 
if I didn't like if we didn't travel to Japan and like go to like Wrestle Kingdom or something, I never thought I would see an Okada Tanahashi match in person. And so sort of like having that moment where you see Tanahashi coming down and you see him like getting ready and you see Okada coming down and it's just that realization like oh shit, like I'm I'm gonna see this. I'm gonna see not just an Okada Tanahashi match, but like an Okada Tanahashi G one match. And then they just I mean Tanahashi is an you know an amazing baby face and Okada is as technically proficient and just like his ring work and skill is just unmatched. And it was a fantastic match and the and the crowd like initially just the the buzz of seeing them there and that bell ringing and like the red shoes and just like, it's a real new Japan match here. Right. And seeing all of that. And you can just like feel the crowd sort of going crazy. We're all standing up and none of us want to sit out until things start going. And it was definitely the high point, like by far of the entire night. Awesome. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for calling in Lewis and uh, getting the live report. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for uh, talking to me. Thanks Lewis. Enjoy Dallas. All right. Thanks guys. All right, we continue on with Charles from Virginia. When they announced the G1 was coming to the U.S., I knew I had to see it. My friend and I drove from Virginia, and they made it worth it. The building may not have been full, but those in attendance were loud. Not sure if it came across on television, but they seemed to get into everything. The atmosphere for Okada Tanahashi was electric. Stranger turns to me after the Kenta match, and... Oh, a stranger turns to me after the Kenta match and said that he is the most excited he's ever been at a wrestling card. The match was great, and I hope their energy was perceived by those watching at home. Kenta was also way over with the crowd. It was almost like the American audience was saying, let's forget Hideo Tommy together. I also really enjoyed Archer Osprey. I've never been too impressed with Archer, but Osprey brought out the best in him and they delivered. Anyways, looking forward to listening to the live show while watching UFC 239 in a local bar. <laughs> Hello, if you're still at that I'm, bar. I'm, I hear wow. we're missing quite the show. <laughs> Brandon from Oshawa. Archer Osprey stole the show for me. Osprey can't seem to have a bad match with anybody right now. Despite my hate for Sonata, him and Zach always put on some really great matches. This was another fun one. The worst and most disappointing part of the show for me was Kenta. This guy fucking sucks. I remember when he came into NXT and hearing how amazing he was. I saw none of it. People can say it's because of how he was booked or because of his injuries, but tonight he had a chance to show the world something and he failed. I needed to see something more than kick, slap, kick, kick, double stomp, and a shitty GTS that hit Ibushi's armpit. When you can't have a good match with Kota Ibushi, you should be ashamed of yourself. If Will Ospreay can't pull out a good match out of this guy, then Kinta needs to be replaced with Yoshihashi because at least he has some heart. Wow. Ouch. I don't think that's fair criticism. I think that's a little harsh, but I mean, I, I can understand when people say they they were disappointed. Um, did this look much different from the 205 Live Hideo Itami other than the kicks and the strikes? Oh, I thought it did. I, I thought that the, he was, I, I thought he was, he was still much better in, in this. I think he was better. Match. I don't know how much better though. Yeah, that, that's fair. Um, I, I do believe like we are going to see better from him in this tournament. How better is going to be certainly a question. Mm -hmm. Alex from Maple writes, I only watched the five matches that mattered the most. They were amazing. I was underwhelmed by the Ibushi Kenta match, but others were great. And Fale, the Fale match was a Fale match. The arena looked empty on TV. I wish they would have taken a page from the WWE and filmed it better. Took me out of it a little to see so many empty seats. Overall, great start. We got a Chris who says, first time posting. I went to this show live, so I feel obligated to. I'll keep it There's short. a lot though. of people that went to this show live yeah. in, our, uh, in our world. Okay, uh, arena was pretty empty. We were second row, and three seats to the left of us were empty. So a man next to us decided to upgrade their seats and move into them. I'm curious how you guys feel about that behavior. Uh, we were second row, and three seats so to the left So basically people leaving their 
farther up seats in order to go to seats below. I, I think that if, if it's like halfway into the show and no one's... Uh... Now, if I was Chris and I had a seat that's, that was free next yeah. to me and someone came to sit in it, I like having that empty seat. <laughs> I think I, I, I could understand Chris being pissed too if he paid a lot more money for that ticket than somebody else. Yeah, fair um, enough. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We got, uh, he says, I enjoyed every match, specifically ZSJ versus Sonata. Seeing Zack Sabre Jr. live made me appreciate his style of wrestling more. Sonata had him beat in looks for sure. <laughs> Kenta's kicks felt like they were going to create a rift in the multiverse. Crowd went to an entirely new level for Tanahashi versus Okada. It was my match of the night, and Tanahashi is my most attractive wrestler of the night. After the show, Okada said it was his, the first time G1 was in America, but not the last. All right, uh, we heard from Lewis, so I'm going to go to Jake here from the Windy City. Really spectacular show watching it on the Access feed. I like that the in-ring action ended after three and a half hours, and they didn't feel the need to fill out the full four hours that the show was listed for. Main event was on fire. They've had longer and better, but I love that they went with a clean finish rather than another tournament draw. The crowd really added to the atmosphere. I love the quiet and respectful Japanese crowds, but it was really fun to see the fans in attendance show so much knowledge and passion for the New Japan product. Mm. I know some people will say Kenta was underwhelming, but that was to be expected considering the injuries he's been getting, and I do believe that there will be better opponents and turnouts to come for him after this. Looking forward to the Fighting Spirit Tour in the East Coast, and I'm so happy that Ring of Honor will be nowhere near those shows. Good riddance, and it looks like New Japan is inching closer and closer to kicking ROH to the curb. Well, that is uh, our feedback from tonight's show. A number of people live, which was cool to hear from so many people that were there that I think... If you were there live, it sounded like it was a great time. Yeah. And, it, you know, sometimes we will hear from people that go to shows and it doesn't translate. It certainly translated on the broadcast tonight. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, again, if it's, you know, if I, I whoever was in charge of the production, I think should be commended for. Maybe it's get your rabid that. fans and put them in a gigantic empty arena. Wow. Is that That's the key? the key to great crowd heat, maybe. <laughs> uh, perhaps. Rabid fans, big space. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah. perhaps. Uh, no, I I really enjoy. I thought on screen, even though it, if you it didn't take that out, it, had, had they booked a five thousand seater mm-hmm. and you had these same fans yeah. in there, I think the show is graded significantly higher. I think like I think it's a pretty well graded show anyway, just based on the. Internet, I, but... I think as a wrestling show, yes. Yeah. I think as an overall success, right? Um, I, I think people would be looking at at it even stronger. Like sure. New Japan is going forward. Minus Kenny and all of them. Is that is that a lesson for New Japan going forward for shows in the U.S.? Book maybe 5,000 seaters and not, you know, hockey arenas. I think Fighting Spirit Unleashed is all you need to know mm-hmm. to that answer. I think they realized we, we overshot this one. Right. And they're not going back and trying to prove a point. It's maybe one day they'll, they'll go. Like, New Japan has always been fairly conservative when it comes to what they run. And it's, you know, suddenly now, like, they booked the American Airlines Center. They're doing the Tokyo Dome two nights. Like, it's... I, I'm certain that like they're looking at their U.S. Th- this show and realizing it was maybe one step too far. And the big unknown is, had they just announced Tanahashi Okada, which I do believe they could have. They yeah. could have announced the G1, just announced the participants early. I don't think it screws up your booking. Mm-hmm. It doesn't screw up title plans. Whether Okada is champion or not going into the G1, that's the match you're getting on night one. Yeah. And had they announced that in April and given people time, and maybe Dallas wasn't the best place to do it. Maybe, maybe not. But I, I, if I was New Japan, I wouldn't be so scared that I'd only run. Because these buildings are running in September. 
for major New Japan shows, I think they're kind of undercutting themselves. Mm-hmm. Like if you're talking 1,800 people at the Hammerstein, yeah. yes, you will fill that. Uh, and you can load up ticket prices. But, you know, I, I think that they should revisit, you know, just a happy medium mm-hmm. between 16, 17,000 and a, a 2,000 seater. So mm-hmm. anyway, that is the show, everybody. It is night one in the bags. Uh, Way and I now have an entire UFC to watch. Oh, yeah, right? of course. Way, Way's going to hang out with me? Of course, I'm going to stick around. Yeah. Sounds like there's uh, been some craziness, so yeah. we're, we're going to check that out. I look forward to it. Uh, but thanks to everybody for yeah. calling in, for leaving feedback, and joining us for the ride this summer. Yeah, and hopefully uh, those of you who might have enjoyed this and might have enjoyed what you were watching tonight uh, are able to join us for the rest of the duration of the G1, because we'll be doing one of these post-shows after every single edition of the G1, the day of. Uh, and uh, to get all of those programs, just simply... Join our Patreon. Support us for as little as $6 a month, and you can get all of our bonus content, including Rewind Away, including our MCU reviews, including Ask Away, and including all of our G1 shows throughout the course of the summer. Yes. So go sign up, postwrestlingcafe.com. All of your stuff can be found at postwrestling.com. And it's not too late. You can also check out uh, WH Park has an awesome preview of the entire tournament uh, posted up on the site, going through each and every participant and the key matches to look out for on all... Uh, 18 tournament shows uh, of the 19 overall when you include the finals. So there's a lot of wrestling coming out of New Japan over the next six weeks. That's it for us. Uh, next week, are we back on... I'm trying to think. What, what, uh, fight, fight for the Fallen. We're back here next Saturday. Oh my God. Next weekend, we will have a G1 show Saturday morning. Yeah. We will have Fight for the Fallen Saturday night. And Braden and Davey are going to be doing a show after Evolve. Yeah. So yeah. it's a busy one next weekend. And Sunday is Extreme Rules. Awesome. It's going to be a great (laughs) summer, everybody. All right. I'll be back on Sunday night with Nate Milton. We'll be chatting about Slammiversary, also in Dallas. So that will be when you hear us next. We'll speak with you in 24 hours.